picture. This is weird. I'm controlled by the You're on uh All right, everybody. Good to see you. See you. Okay, so give everybody a chance to get in here before we get going, but good to see you, you who are online. Are we good to go before I even start? Okay. Uh, uh, good to be here. Uh, glad that uh, you're staying with us afterwards to, uh, to dig deeper into this, dive deeper, go deeper, depth. Um, so we're going to shovel up and we're going to start digging. There's a lot of good stuff uh, that we talked about today. Um, and as people begin to come back in, um, and I hate to start going apart from people, but uh, we don't have, I don't have, uh, Leonard killed it today, and he, uh, there is so much that he said that I, I just feel satisfying even if uh, we just prayed and left because he, he, he did such a great job, but there, there's, a, there's a little bit more, you can't, we can't, we can have a 40-minute sermon on two words, and there's, in the Bible, and there's still things to be found within those two words, that's just the Bible, and the nature of it, and how things work. So, before we get going today, thank you, Leonard, for everything that you put forward today. Just have a soul that's had a drink. Thank you. And so, Spirit, I come, and I thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for doing your work and making much of Christ Jesus through our preaching, through our teaching, and, and in our hearing, all of us. I pray that as we move forward into the next part of our Sunday, that you would continue your work. And we thank you for everything, everything that you've put in place uh, as we have souls that are resting in Jesus, more so now than when we woke up this morning. And may it continue. May we, when we feel it start to wane, may, we, may you help us and help us to throw just a log on the fire, even if it's a prayer to help us to remember the gospel and the good news that we've heard. How wonderful you are and how wonderful your good news. We give you all glory and we thank you that we get to do this and hear this continued news through scripture. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. I'm a little stuffy, don't worry. It's not the, the disease of the day. It's, it's allergies or a normal cold. I had a negative test, just to put your mind at ease, okay? All right, <laughs> all right. We're still gonna lice all this mic though, yeah? All right, all right. All right, so as we go in today, today, uh, Sabbath is a big theme, um, but there's some other themes as well. There's the Sabbath meaning, uh, which we won't go too deep into when we say what the Sabbath is. Uh, Jesus is doing some other things here. Uh, provisional rest, uh, unwavering Jesus, and the dangers of tradition. Last week, we, we learned Jesus instituting a new covenant through, uh, and he teaches that through old and new wines. Uh, and he, and, and we, we didn't go further into that, but that's the, really all we need to take away. He's ushering something brand new. This is the next redemption phase of human history. Um, this week, we begin to see the implications of what that means for a new covenant life. All right, so uh, verse uh, chapter 6, verse 1. On a Sabbath, all right, so we can talk about what the Sabbath is. Um, uh, 
to understand the Sabbath, uh, we, we need to see that um, this is something that God models in creation. Um, this is something he commands in his law. So God models it in creation. He commands it in his law. And, um, and to understand the fourth commandment, which is the Sabbath rest, we need to understand the first three. But without going too deep into these things, the first three commandments are gloriously weighty, God-focused, God-centered, God-statements. And so it's, it's very important that we understand. The first commandment is essentially God saying, me. The second commandment is him saying, only me. The third commandment is him saying, revere me. So that's very weighty stuff. It's all God. And then the fourth commandment um, comes along, and he starts to transition into us. Um, this is for our rest. And it's important God models it. He commands it in the law. And these disciples, that was we read here, that are following Jesus through the grain fields, are following that God through the grain fields, the God who modeled that rest, the God who gave that command. They're following him. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that it was Christ they, the wilderness generation, were following through the wilderness in a cloud of smoke and fire. Jude says the same thing. All right, so on the Sabbath... While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain. All right, so Deuteronomy 23, 25 says, If you go into your neighbor's uh, standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. All right? All right, so this provides for a person's need without harming uh, the work of the peoples whose grain they're taking uh, or their bounty. Uh, the difference is uh, taking some chips out of a bowl or taking the whole bowl, all right? All right, so this is God commanding neighbors as well to love one another, to allow for one another, to provide for one another, and in so God is providing for them all. Um, they're walking through, grabbing as they go. They're not harvesting. Um, so this is, this is what God provides to show he is provider. And the Sabbath is something that he provides. So he's this weighty God. It's all about him. First three commandments, me, only me, revere me. So the, the fourth commandment, commandment comes along, and it actually adds, this is a God we should fear and rest in and only him. But the fourth commandment comes along and says, this is also a God we can rest in. So he helps you carry his own burden. Of, because it's, it's a weighty thing. The weight of God when he, he starts commanding things. The first three commandments are. So it, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we get to see before even the rest of the commandments take off that we can have rest in this God who is who the magnitude of, of who is, we'll, we'll never be able to see the end of it. That's a pretty good thought. All right, so on a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. Okay, so this is where they would have went wrong in the Pharisees' eyes, according to the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the oral tradition of the Pharisees, but some of the Pharisees said, why are you, and they're waiting for this. They're watching him. Like Leonard said, it's, there's, uh, 
they're following it. They're just walking through a grain field, yeah? And these guys are just waiting, just watching. But some of the Pharisees says, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? All right, so there's the law, and then there's their law, okay? Um, their traditions. Each generation of Pharisees would essentially add to the law. <coughs> and over time, it morphed. So there was the, 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 the Shabbat here. Uh, the, there's the written tradition of the Pharisees as well as the oral their law. And they prescribe people what to obey alongside God's law. In doing so, they would lay burdens on people that God never meant for them to bear. On the Sabbath, it was very visible who was observing and who wasn't. You were either working or you weren't. It was very visible, yeah? But what Jesus does next, uh, so they, they put their, their law, they put in very, very high, they, they held it up there pretty high, right? They put it alongside God's law. Like their deductions from the law and the things that they lived according to uh, things from the law, they valued their interpretation as much as they valued the truth of God. And you should hold the word of God with a grip, w w with a tight grip. You should hold your own opinions loosely. It gave them a status. And so Jesus deals with God's law next. He doesn't entertain their tradition. He's going to say, you guys forgot. This was to rest your body. As the fourth commandment says, on the Sabbath you shall keep holy, you shall rest, your servants shall rest, your land, uh, your, uh, your, your everything. Your household, servants, your livestock, even in the rest, in other parts of scripture it says you need to rest the land. It's for you. In your additions to the word, you've lost the word and want people to adhere to your words. He doesn't even go into this. Oh, he doesn't have to. He goes to the truth of it. And he gives a story about David. <laughs> and Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? That's big to know. He was hungry. Uh, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. All right, so Jesus goes to David. David's out in the wilderness. He's running from Saul, the first king. And uh, Saul doesn't like David. He's jealous of David and other stuff. He has this complex about himself. Saul has killed his, his thousands, people would say. Uh, David has killed ten thousands, you know, if you, if you remember that story. And essentially the crowd or the peoples that they were king over saw David as more than Saul. He was better. But, but he's also the one whom these Pharisees understand to be, the, the, like, there's going to be a king that sits on David's throne forever. So, like, this is David. David did not. So, David's with his group. They're desperate. They're fleeing. And they're hungry. They have a need. They go to where they know there's food, there's sustenance, how they can survive. And they eat the showbread. It's only lawful for the Levitical priests at the time to eat. And he receives no judgment for this. 
because he's keeping in step with the spirit of the law to preserve life. They were desperate, and the only option was to take what God provided for others. Otherwise, they die. So Jesus cites this. And then he goes to himself. They don't respond to what he says about David. But this next part would have been a bombshell. And he said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Like we said when we started, Jesus is the resting creator who gave the commandments, abided with the people, the promised one in the line of David who would sit on David's throne forever, put on flesh and now leads his people. He gets to decide and is not breaking his own law, but fulfilling and teaching that it's not the letter of, but the spirit of. He knows his own intention behind his own law, and he is faithful. Yes. Luke does a lot in bringing out themes, one of them being that Jesus is king, mm -hmm. um, and references to David, you yep. know, uh, emerge. And what's neat is how he's sort of, there's so many layers to what Luke is doing that he's building, a, he's building the case for what's going to happen, of course, um, in, um, in crucifixion and then mm -hmm. resurrection. But uh, prophet is um, a, a big theme when we look at Elijah and Elisha. Mm -hmm. And then king uh, is emerging as well. So I guess I say that as our people are reading through Luke, uh, to be watching out for Davidic kind of themes. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, because Luke is really building that that um, that that imagery of Jesus as the King. Yeah, and it's just so good. You know? it, it is. Yeah, he's Luke is building that image of Jesus as as King. Jesus is taking that place. He fits perfectly into it. These two stories, this first one of them walking through the green fields on the Sabbath, tell us that they kept, the Pharisees, kept the letter of the law and missed the spirit of the law. They had the surface, and only Jesus, the lawgiver, gives depth. They preserved the law, but God gave the law to preserve the people. And perhaps it was this teaching that Paul had in mind when he wrote 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. who is made sufficient to be ministers. A new covenant, not to the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In Romans 2, verse 29, where Paul says, God's people are those who are God's people inwardly by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise, this one who lives and dwelt by the Spirit is not from man, but from God. So it's not outward observance, it's inward occurrence, it's inward transformation, it's inward conformity onto Christ that then produces anything visible. All right, this second story basically says the same thing. It's human need versus ceremonial law, a man with a withered hand. On a Sabbath, Jesus seizes his Sabbaths, doesn't he? Um, he never misses the chance to offend the Pharisees. 
But better put, he never denies the heart of the truth of God in order to preserve man's religiosity, which is an affront to God. This is why we're Protestants after Jesus. Uh, Jesus protects and preserves God's truth in people standing for God and with people. We stand with him in him. The Pharisees protest Jesus because they stood for themselves, their traditions, and what was familiar. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. Other translations might say paralyzed. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. So they're still looking. Didn't learn anything from this first grain field encounter, did they? Hard hearts just get harder. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. Jesus takes an intentional move against the Pharisees here. Uh, in doing so, he's aggressing their heartlessness, their understanding, and their image. Jesus was, uh, he was also potentially putting this man at odds, odds with the synagogue. They wanted to stop Jesus, but they were professionals at kicking people out before this too. And he rose and stood there, but faith in Christ prevails in this man. Jews at the time thought that ailments were judgments from God and looked at those uh, with ailments as less than. Likely this man might have been trying not to be seen. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or destroy it? Uh, just a note on life. Uh, if you read Psalm 119, I love Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is my favorite psalm. Um, it's this massive psalm. It's almost 200 verses long, and it's divided into these little um, eight-verse um, segments that go through. Um, it's a good way, actually, to start your Bible reading for the day. If you open Psalm 119 and read one of those and pray one of those, ask the Spirit to, because it's in there, um, you'll find this, this, the psalmist is absolutely given over, abandoned to the commandments of God, precepts, his statutes, the word, because he's discovered the failure of all other things. And life is found and found in God and his reality alone. That's the psalmist that you'll meet. And um, so there's nothing wrong with the law of God. If you, well, you can read it and see, you see that uh, David says it's like honey on his lips. You see, uh, you, you, you can't have any other viewpoint if, once you get to the other end of Psalm 119. Just wanted to say that. God's, God's way is always given, given us life. Not so with the Pharisees. And look here. The healing could have been postpone, postponed. This wasn't a critical illness that was going to get worse and needed immediate attention. The rabbinical law would have permitted it then. But Jesus, by his double question, implies that if a need arises and is left unattended when something could have been done, then evil has been done by default. Jesus is not breaking the Sabbath. He's the only one doing it right. 
using it to do good to, to a human being in need. And their law, which their law pushed down the line. The big thing here is Jesus does not transgress the law of God, but he directly confronts, undermined, and overthrows the traditions of man that do no one any good. Verse 10, and after, after looking around at them, he's saying, go ahead and watch. I love this. It's my desire for you to see this and lay it to heart. His eyes call attention, call the attention of the Pharisees and all the rest, shaming them in the sight of all. If they cared about anything, it was image. That's religion's main concern. How do I feel and look to myself, about myself? How do I look to others, God? Jesus is intentionally aggressing them here, stimulating controversy. That's punk rock. And after looking around at them all, he said to them, stretch out your hand. Here's this man's second act of faith to Jesus' word. The first one was for him to stand up. Come. Now he listens further and he stretches out his hand. And he did so. And this man's, and his hand was restored. Right, so did this man even ask Jesus? Jesus just knew a need was present. That's grace. To the, to the Pharisees, who through obedience believed that they could garner favor, who would have been scandalized. Jesus here is saying not to do good, to do nothing in the face of something good to do, is to do evil. Simply put, neglect is evil. Personally, I don't imagine Jesus even looking away from the crowds here, but perhaps he locked eyes with the Pharisees to press the point and answer his question with his demeanor and action, telling them, as Lord of the Sabbath, he has the authority to do his will for his people as he pleases. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Worldly men do worldly things. Perhaps they thought that they were their people. Uh, George Orwell. You guys know who George Orwell is? Wrote some, wrote some books back in the day, 1984. Yeah, that was his big one. He said this, The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. Same goes for Jesus here, the church today. Further a society drifts from the truth, the more they will hate those who speak it. Uh, largely, not completely, at least in this antagonizing group of Pharisees that were around him, people just like me. It was very easy to write about the Pharisees. All I had to do was write about my own thinking. Yeah. Slave to the law or free to obey it. That's the difference. Yeah. And for him it is sin, yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it did. Because uh, it stirs up wrath within them here. And that's the danger of tradition. 
So what if, uh, what if you came in and we never told you, all the pews were gone and there was chairs? Would you still have the same Sunday that you had even if you heard the gospel preached with chairs or pews? See, it's when a tradition becomes, a tradition is a good thing, by the way, but any good thing that becomes a God thing becomes a bad thing. That's what an idol is. Any good thing that becomes a God thing and takes its place. Now I need this, A, B, and C, to be in place so that I can have a Sunday experience that's familiar to me. Or you get to hear the gospel and be freed and none of that stuff matters to you as like it did before. See, we could come here and into a burnt down building. Imagine if we came here and overnight there was a fire. It all goes out. Everything's done. But if you're after Christ, your heart still says, I'm still going to preach the gospel. I'm still going to hear the gospel. So it doesn't matter. This could be a burnt down building. But if Jesus is preached and we get to, we get to follow him and know him more, I'll come to that burnt down church service. For sure. Uh, a, um, Rich, we have 400 years of tradition from the old to the new, or yeah, from the old to the new, and then here Christ is coming in. And the Pharisees are really into more tradition than they are actually in truth. Mm -hmm. uh, the tradition was, you like what Leonard said this morning, they put a fence around the people, and it wasn't the truth. Christ is the one that came, and when he even had the, uh, the, the followers, and they're supposed to be like the riprap, I don't even think the Pharisees liked them as well, because mm -hmm. they lived on the other side of the tracks. Yeah. It was, I think, it was a setup. Christ let them eat on the Sabbath because that—that's—it's the truth. You're supposed to eat on the Sabbath, but yeah. the Pharisees made a big deal about it. But then, when Christ said at the end of uh, when he said, "The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath," mm -hmm. I believe the Pharisees knew what he was saying—that he is God. And right there and then, everything came to a slippery slope. And then he goes into the synagogue, and they're waiting for him. And they're already thinking in their head, they're going to heal this guy. Yeah. So at the end, Christ asked him about, is this good or bad? They, they seem to not even understand the fact the man was healed. They it were so picky about their tradition that they already, it was the big sin. If and they could... If they could label him as a breaker, as a lawbreaker, then he could not be the Messiah. It, so if they could undermine his work by going that route, they will. And they, they do. And, the, and I think they're right to be cautious of Jesus. Like you said, it's 400 years between, te between testaments, but it's thousands of years with the law. Um, and so they're right to ask questions but they don't, you, you see, uh, they were filled with fury and disgusted because they thought they had it figured out. These were, 
these were very astute people. Like, I don't have the Torah memorized. They did. So, I mean, I think they're right to question him, to yeah, ask you, questions. You, this, is, this, is a, this is an interesting category tradition mm -hmm. because uh, you have to be sort of careful with it. Um, and one, one way, you know, because I, I struggled with this for a long time. Mm -hmm. what, one way that y you can look at it is, you know, you have traditions of men, which are rules that are created to honor the principles of Scripture. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Um, but let's just be charitable and say yeah. that at one point in time they played a role. Yeah. Time changes, the rules maybe don't have as much relevance. Yeah. You know. Um, so you have like the 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 traditions of men versus the traditions that we've been hand the Bible is a is a big tradition yeah. that is handed on from generation to generation. So the word is kind of neutral. It depends on how you how you're you're looking at it. No, another way that I, I, I like to look at it is there's the tradition that which is handed down. You know, scripture talks yeah. about the, it's a Greek word paradosis, which means that's what's handed down from generation to generation. And thank the Lord we have the Bible. Yeah. You know. Um uh because where would we be without that tradition? Yeah. Um but on the other hand, traditional ism uh, anything with ism means it's closed, meaning you can't change it. And that's where it becomes kind of the god or the yeah. I idol. So when you look at, so, you know, I've kind of followed the baby boom generation, and they're like out with tradition and with relevance. The problem is you can be so progressive and relevant but not rooted in anything that keeps you stable. That's good, yeah. And and so you know this landscape is something that I've you know I've had to deal with my whole career as a pastor, and so I'm I, I try to be careful about differentiating the biblical tradition mm -hmm. and what expression it has in any given set of circumstances. Yeah, you know it would probably be good to list some examples. Um, in a in this day, say. On the Sabbath, your house fell over. Um, now, if you go in and you're getting people out, you better be careful not to lift the bricks. <laughs> but if someone was had a life-threatening injury, you could help that person. However, if someone dislocated their shoulder and was going to be okay, they had to wait until the day after the Sabbath to do anything about it. So Jesus puts it right because that's what the, the morphing over time accomplished. And so just to end here, nice and simple today, uh, four points from similar accounts in other gospels. Number one, the Sabbath is for man's benefit, Mark 2, 27. Number two, the Sabbath, uh, Jesus the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. We saw that in verse 5. Number three, the Sabbath is for helpful deeds, the omission of which would be evil. Verse 9. And number four, the Father works even on the Sabbath, and so may the Son. Jesus says in John five seventeen that my Father is working, and so am I.
Jesus is ministering to his people here. The Sabbath is, um, like, do we trust God enough to come away from and rest from those things that we spend our other six days doing? And God's saying, I've got you here, rest. But more than that, don't just rest and find a couch. Jesus takes the Sabbath, like we mentioned in the, service today, in the service today, and he takes it from a day that they rested on to a peace we rest in, in him. Loved by him, refueled by him, bearing fruit in his name. Um, that's real Sabbath. And you can feel that peace any day of the week, any time of the day that you seek him to find it. And so our only action step is to satisfy your heart in the Lord and find that Sabbath rest. And there's so much more we could say about the Sabbath. But essentially, Jesus is riding the ship and uh, makes it possible for us to breathe in his finished work instead of obeying, or instead of taking any kind of confidence in our obedience. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you accomplished once again. Thank you for the rest that we get to taste because, because of your work, your obedience. You fulfilled the laws or the demands of the law on our behalf. That's the gospel. So thank you. Thank you for fulfilling everything so that we might be fulfilled in you. Thank you. It's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Yeah, we got some time. Not all tradition is necessarily bad. Oh, no. It's, no. If it's biblical, like uh, the Lord's Supper. Yeah. You know, we were in a church before. They only took it when they felt like it every so often. And they said, I remember saying, why can't we have it every week? Yeah. Oh, it'll just become a tradition. And it won't mean anything. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. 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 to make a thought about